Hi, I'm Scott Corelli. And I'm Zach Luna. This year, Spider-Man finally joins the Marvel Cinematic Universe in Spider-Man Homecoming. But 15 years ago, the friendly neighborhood webhead hit the big screen for the first time ever. Introducing Spider-Man Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze and celebrate the Spider-Man movies one minute at a time. Starting with Sam Raimi's web-slinging debut, we discuss everything from genetically engineered super spiders to wall-crawling heroics. Join us as we navigate the great power and great responsibility behind every single minute of Sam Raimi's Spider-Man. Spider-Man Minute, available at DuelingGenre.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Protagonist Podcast, where each week we look at a great character in a great story. I'm Todd Mack. And I'm Joe Dorowski. And this week we're discussing the Gilmore family from the TV show Gilmore Girls. And to help our discussion, we're joined by first-time guest Kate Dorowski. Welcome, Kate. Thanks, guys. Glad to have you on. Uh, listeners, you may have noticed a similarity in our last names. Kate is my sister. Uh, her name's been mentioned several times, particularly when I mentioned the book Frasier, A Cultural History, which Kate co-authored with me. So glad to find you, finally have you on the podcast, Kate. What was that like, uh, writing a book together as siblings? Flawless. <laughs> I think that's that's pretty good. There's actually a Frasier episode about Frasier and Niles trying to <laughs> write a book a together. <laughs> Uh, they almost kill each other? Yeah, they do almost kill each other. We never reached that point, but I think there were some moments where it's I like, come one. on. Is that the one where they like go to a cabin or a hotel? Or they go to a hotel room to force themselves to write. They're yes. not going to let themselves out. And they start dealing with uh, repressed feelings, and Niles yes. is like, I remember something. You, in my crib, choking me. <laughs> it was like a perfect imitation. Uh, that's great. Uh, but it was pretty great. We're actually working on another book. So it went well enough that we're still collaborating. <laughs> and we still speak to each other at the holidays. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Yeah. And occasionally other times, too. Uh, but uh, today we're talking about Gilmore Girls. And this was a request from patron Rebecca. And it was also a request from anyone who's given us a suggestion ever, pretty much. Uh, a lot of people want us to talk about the Gilmore Girls TV show. Turns out this is a lot of people's favorite TV show, and we'll see uh, what our thoughts are on it. We're specifically look at the 13th episode of Season 6, which is titled Friday Nights All Right for Fighting. This episode was written by series creator Amy Sherman-Palladino and directed by Kenny Ortega of Hocus Pocus fame. That's right. He's back already. We're Hocus Pocus about- and Newsies and High School Musical and... Descendants. Descendants, yes. This guy's and amazing. this episode of Gilmore Girls a wide range yeah so gilmore girls if any listeners are unfamiliar it is a tv show that focuses on three generations of gilmore women primarily the rebellious and free-spirited lorelei and lorelei's daughter the academic and serious rory but also lorelei's parents the wealthy and high society richard and emily Lorelai and Rory have been estranged from Richard and Emily for a while when the series starts, um, and the series explores the ups and downs of their relationships. Is that a fair description, Kate? You know Gilmore Girls better than Todd or I. Is that a fair description it of it? Pretty accurate. Sums it up really well. 
Okay. And this episode, it comes late in the series. So if you have been saying, huh, I've been wanting to watch Gilmore Girls, it's all available on Netflix. You can just go start on episode one and you'll have six seasons before you catch up to this discussion. <laughs> Uh, and join us, but this particular episode deals with drama between Lorelai and her love interest, Luke, drama between Rory and her, her love interest, Logan, and one heck of an argument between all the Gilmores. And we'll be focusing on Rory, who is played by Alexis Bledel, Lorelai, who is played by Lauren Graham, Emily Gilmore, played by Kelly Bishop, and Richard Gilmore, played by Edward Herman. So, that is... Uh, what we're going to be talking about. But first, how did you come to the Gilmore Girls? And let's start with you, Kate, because you know this show better than anyone else participating <laughs> in this discussion. Um, I started watching it because our brother John told me to, uh, like many things <laughs> in my life. He <laughs> recommended a good show. Um, but I started watching it, I think, in the second season, so fairly early on, and then watched it live all the way through. And then I've seen it. So not streaming, watching it live with commercial interruption back in the day. Week-long breaks, summer breaks. It was brutal. Different times, everyone. Different times. Young kids listening to this podcast. <laughs> I'm trying to think if I've... I don't think I've ever... I don't think I ever did that with a TV show before streaming. Whoa. You never did it? Not Lost or anything? No. I watched Lost on DVD. No. I don't think I ever did. Huh. Taking the easy, easy way out. Yeah. <laughs> just just wait for technology to catch up to your convenience. <laughs> I knew it was coming. <laughs> now, Kate, uh, so you watched it all as it was airing, but then I know you also own the DVD sets. How many times would you say you've watched the series? I want to say four, but I'm not 100% sure. I watched it live, and I watched it with multiple friends. I watched it when I was school out in Hawaii. I watched it when I lived out in New York, and then I think I've watched it once more on my own. But then certain episodes I've just seen, I could, like, repeat it word for word myself. I just know it so well. Just to finish the cycle, you're now talking about it as you live in California. I should just rewatch it here. <laughs> yeah, you've, you've, you've watched it in many locations. Kill more girls time. Uh, so my relationship with it was Kate telling me a lot that I needed to watch it, and I never did. <laughs> <laughs> Until... Um, I want to say it was two years ago, my wife, Emily, and I started watching it, and it was a summer binge show, and I think we made it into the fifth season, and then life got really busy. I, maybe a birth of a child happened. I can't remember for sure. But life got busy, and we just never have circled back to it. But after watching this episode, I'm like, I need to go finish out that series. Like, I, I was enjoying it. It wasn't like I abandoned it because I was bored. It was just life got busy, and uh, then when I was reengaging more with entertainment uh, other things that come up so i forgot to go finish binging it and now i want to because i think there's some pretty great writing and acting uh in the show though i guess from my understanding kate and you can warn our listeners off season seven's bad right uh yeah it's not good at all <laughs> the writing drops a lot so the plot lines are stupid um it characters aren't themselves anymore but it's still the show it's so cozy I mean, it's worth finishing. So maybe I just need to finish streaming through season six and call it good, <laughs> or or write I mean, it all the way out because like the the year in the life. If you're gonna do that, which is the there's a Netflix uh, re like like a mini series picking the show back up. How many years after the end of season seven is is, is the year in the life set? So eight years later, eight. revisiting all the characters. And what's your take on that, Kate? Did you like it? Uh, I mean, I really liked it. 
because it was the show, it was the characters that I love again, do some of the plot lines, I was like, that's weird and out of character and I don't love it, but I was just so excited to have a show back again that trumps any <laughs> of So did lines. you did you like it more for nostalgia or for the quality of the thing? Nostalgia for sure. Okay. <laughs> Which yeah, no, that yeah, I, I, feel like I think that's a valid reason to go revisit yeah. something. Yeah. All right, Todd, what is your relationship with Gilmore Girls? I had heard a lot about Gilmore Girls, and I never watched it. And then my wife was started watching it while she was running on the treadmill in the mornings, and um, and I was always like busy doing other things. Uh, and so I never watched it with her, but I could like hear it in the background as I was, you know, doing my workout or getting ready or something. So I kind of heard a lot of it and I thought, oh, that sounds like a cool show. Uh, but I never, I never went in and watched it. And so, uh, then, then when we had planned on doing it for the, uh, for this show, I found an article online called The Seven Essential Gilmore Girls Episodes to Watch Before Friday, and this came out uh, November 22nd, 2016, which is right before A Year in the Life dropped. Mm. And so I watched uh, Season 1, Episode 1, which is the pilot. Nice. And then I watched Season 2, Episode 2, which is Red Light on the Wedding Night. And then I watched uh, Season 3, Episode 7, They Shoot Gilmores, Don't They? And then I think... Oh yeah, and then I did watch episode uh, season four, episode twenty-two, raincoats and recipes, and then uh, that was the last one that I watched. You didn't so. even make it through all seven. I didn't. Oh. <laughs> That's a lot of prep time for one podcast <laughs> to try and do. <laughs> that was like in a, a day, a day and a half or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I, this episode that we're talking about, right? Yeah, I I have one thing to say. I think I'm, I'm going to hold on. I'm going to hold on to it. So. That that's my history with this. I ha I feel like I have like a, a like a half history with Gilmore Girls, uh, through a different show. But I'll talk about that later. Intriguing tease. Yes. Now the listeners <laughs> must keep going with us. You must. All right. Some trivia about Gilmore Girls. It aired on the WB and then the CW when WB and UPN merged. This is weird network history. <laughs> but uh, it aired on those two networks between 2000 and 2007. Uh, the series was created by Amy Sherman Palladino, and she was the showrunner for the first six seasons. And from what I gather, these are the fans' preferred seasons, with many looking down upon the seventh. Uh, in 2016, everyone got to back together to shoot a four-part reunion miniseries for Netflix. That's what we were just mentioning. Both Time Magazine and TV The Book, which is a great name for a book, uh, <laughs> named the series as among the 100 great greatest TV shows ever. And somehow, despite some fantastic writing and really good acting, it's only Emmy nomination was for Best Makeup in 2004, and it won. What? Oh, <laughs> That's its only nomination at all. No. Um, and That seems so random to me. Yeah, that it won Best Makeup. <laughs> and when the writing is what everyone loves about this, and the delivery of some really great lines is, yeah. is uh, you know, it's definitely up there. Um, My goodness. Yeah, Lauren Graham and uh, uh, Edward Herman, like Richard Gilmore. And, oh, and Kelly Bishop. Emily Gilmore delivers some fantastic yeah. lines. Uh, I can't believe none of them were, were nominated, though when I was looking it up, they said this was an error. And this, this show is the reason why people um, accuse the Emmys of having uh, the small network bias towards WB and CW. Mm. Mm. 
All right, so the series is definitely a cult hit, and several articles note that it has become even more popular since it finished airing, uh, thanks to DVD sales and streaming platforms. Um, like, it's, it's word of mouth made it even more popular after its seven seasons on the air. Fans of the show created a book club with the goal of reading all 339 books that get referenced on the series. So, if you've never seen Gilmore Girls, it makes so many cultural references to TV, film, books, music. Like, it is constant and never-ending. When you buy the um, DVD sets, it comes with a little pamphlet with all the cultural references for that season. And like, yeah. And well, and I was I, I was going to mention, there's a uh, podcast called Gilmore Guys, in which two guys um, do an episode-by-episode episode discussion of this. And in every... Um, podcast episode they do a section called do you remember what's called? is it pop goes the culture is that what they call it, call it kate yeah, but they right. do uh they cut out all the audio of every reference to something else in popular culture and they do it as like a one to two minute snippet in their podcast you hear <laughs> the characters re- making all their pop culture references in every episode sounds like a lot of work it does uh their podcast though is extremely popular very big <laughs> bigger than ours <laughs> they put in the work uh and they actually had cameo appearances in the year in a life uh netflix miniseries i think they were background is that right kate wow they were, they're in the background in the inn and they, like they've had uh most of the cast from my understanding have appeared on their podcast um to talk about it so it's okay. uh, it, that that was a that one's a, uh in terms of like TV focused podcast. That's one of the biggest ones out, out there, actually, is Gilmore Guys. Uh, last bit of trivia. There is a book titled Eat Like a Gilmore, and I cannot say this enough. That is not a healthy lifestyle choice. You do not want to eat like a Gilmore. <laughs> I do not recommend it. The, uh, so a lot of people say about the show that it's unrealistic that human beings can spout off the cultural references that they do at the speed they do and have everyone in the room catch them all the way it happens in this tv show like no one's brains works that way and certainly not everyone in the room knows every single reference that's made the way it happens in this tv show but i'd say by far the more unrealistic thing is that the gilmore women eat (laughs) the way they do and look the way they do i agree (laughs) i feel like there's an element of uh i mean i really i i'm being totally serious here i feel like there's an element of fantasy in this show I mean, it, it not just not just in the way that they eat, but just uh, the setup in general. The town feels... as a whole. It, I mean, it, it's not nearly as um, fantastical as Northern Exposure, where like they enter like magical realism realms yeah. at times, but it's still a, further on the spectrum towards that than a straight up drama. Well, even for example, the fact that um, Lorelai can do like basically completely hands-off parenting where it's like yeah kid just do whatever you want like whatever it's totally fine and have a child grow up like rory that's just smart and responsible and your very best friend and like and um, wants to get into harvard but then ends up in yale instead (laughs) (laughs) i don't know i i there's uh at some point i just had to say okay i'm just gonna take this for what it is and um and it is super fun but it's it seems like fantasy to me. It is not a documentary of real life. <laughs> and it's not a handbook of parenting. <laughs> Certainly not. For, for any of the generations of Gilmore's involved, it is not a handbook no. of parenting. <laughs> There's a lot of uh, do-nots, I guess, maybe, when it yeah. comes to parenting. 
Okay, before we move on, we want to thank each and every one of our listeners uh, for listening, and especially thank those of you who support us on Patreon. If you would also like to support us financially, we invite you to go to patreon.com slash protagonist and support our show with at least $1 per month. All supporters on Patreon at any level receive access to our special quickcasts, which are shorter episodes in which we break down newly released films and trailers. All patrons who support us with $5 per month or more get to choose a topic for us to discuss. And now I think we're ready for our long synopsis. Yes, and just real quick before I jump into this, uh, Kate, help me set the relationships uh, as we have in this season six episode because uh, Luke and Lorelai, they're kind of, to do an early reference, they're kind of a Sam and Diane for uh, Gilmore Girls. Is that right? Yes, they're like the driving force of the show of like, will they, won't they? Right, and at this point, they have gotten together. They got together at the end of season Oh shoot! Four or three. Of them. They got together in the one at the 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 one that I watched. So season four, probably. The, uh, season it's four. Uh, season four, episode twenty-two: raincoats and recipes. Yes. And so they so they were together all of season five, and they're still together here in season six. But they you have to throw a wrench into the works in these kinds of shows, right? They're, you can't just have them be happily together. Uh, Lorelai asked Luke to marry her at the end of season five. Isn't yeah, season five. And they were they they were engaged, but this episode picks up right after we or Lorelai discovers that Luke has a daughter, yeah. correct? So she's so yeah. she's twelve. Is that the correct? daughter, not Lorelai? Da- yeah, the daughter's twelve. <laughs> daughter's twelve. Uh, Luke didn't know she existed until recently. Like I, in where I was watching, there was no hint of Luke having a daughter. Uh, no, it just comes out of nowhere—the stupidest plotline ever written into a show. But. Uh, Okay, I was going to say, I mentioned to one of my classes that I was going to be talking about um, Gilmore Girls, and almost immediately, someone yelled out, April Stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she's very hated by everyone. There's not a single person who was like, that was a good choice. Have a daughter named April. So, uh, that's where they're at. And then uh, Rory is on, for the series, this is her third boyfriend, right? Uh, Um, Yes, she had Dean and as far none of her boyfriends are good enough for her. They're all stupid. Logan is the best. Logan, the one that, in this episode, yeah, yes. yes. The blog. Okay. Um, for what I've gathered, this is a hotly debated uh, fan point, right? Which which boyfriend is the best for Rory? I have a lot of thoughts and a lot of backup for Logan. If you want to do this now or you want to do it later, <laughs> we can save it. But <laughs> as far as I've seen, this is what I've seen of Logan. It's, the answer is still none of the above for me, <laughs> from what I've seen. Um. And then uh, I, I think that's uh, basically what we need as table setting before we get into this. So here we go. Here's our full synopsis. Now that we know where we're at with some of these relationships, uh, Lorelai is sneaking out of the bedroom she shares with Luke, and they have a conversation. He wakes up and says, well, hey, where are you going? And this conversation is a delicious mix of cutesiness on top and unspoken tension underneath. I think it's written and played very well. Uh, Lorelai is sneaking out early to go flower shopping with her friend Suki. Uh, they were going to go pick out flowers for their wedding, Lorelai and Luke's wedding. Uh, but that wedding is now postponed as of last night, right before this episode begins because but but Lorelai forgot to tell her friend Suki about that so Lorelai still has to go out flower shopping for a wedding that has been called off at the farmer Suki gives a fantastic comedic rundown of all the vendors before Lorelai stops to tell her that the wedding is postponed uh Suki is kind of a bad friend and says what did you do bit of a jerk move uh there 
That no, she's not a bad friend. That's Lorelai. That's I think does. you don't immediately say what do you do when someone tells them it tells you about a traumatic event though. <laughs> Uh, anyway, uh, she asks what Lorelai did and why she's running from happiness. And then Lorelai says that it's postponed because Luke just found out that he has a 12-year-old daughter. Now we go over to Yale, where there's this boy named Logan, and he's lying in wait to flirt with Rory. Uh, from what I gathered, they had a relationship and it was called off. Is that right, Kate? And uh, he's trying to reignite it? Yes. Okay. Uh, and... This Logan, he's, he's lying in wait. He flirts with her because he, he's got her schedule mapped out. Uh, and uh, Rory is engaging in this dangerous activity. She's reading while walking, and she almost walks into stuff, and he calls her out and warns her. Uh, he makes some references to Nora Ephron movies, and his scheme works, and they set a dinner date. And I'm unimpressed with this scheme. Lorelai gets a phone call <laughs> from her father uh, who, who says that his check for Rory's tuition to Yale was returned. So Lorelai's parents have been paying for Rory's schooling, and he tried to pay for the semester's tuition, and the check came back. He's sure it was just a clerical error and he doesn't want Rory to worry about it, uh, he's going to go take care of it. So now Lorelai calls Rory and says, hey, you know how you agreed to let your dad, Christopher, pay your tuition instead of your grandparents? Did you tell them that? <laughs> and Rory has been avoiding that conversation. Uh, it seems like in the Gilmore family, often you don't have conversations until a lot is boiling over. So Rory uh, notices uh, that the Yale newspaper, which she is a writer for, that the this issue was published without a picture. Like there's just a blank space in the page of the newspaper. Uh, so she rushes to the school newspaper office where her friend slash enemy, is that correct? A good description of Paris? Yes, but now they're in college. They're more friends than enemies. Okay. Her friend... Paris Geller is the editor-in-chief. Uh, and I just remember, as soon as she was on on screen, I was like, oh, I loved Paris. She was great. Uh, and Paris is having uh, a major, let's call it a motivational meltdown at her staff. <laughs> and uh, her staff mostly seem to be calling in sick as a way of dealing with her being in charge. And it's looking like tomorrow's paper might not happen uh, because at this point, Paris is just going to do everything, which is impossible. So now we go back to Lorelai, who is eating a giant plate of marshmallows with chocolate syrup poured on them. And she's calling her parents to explain that Rory's dad, Christopher, had come into some money. And he wanted to be part of Rory's life, which he hadn't really been very much of. Uh, and he wanted to be part of Rory's life, so he offered to pay for her college. Rory said yes, and her tuition has been paid. Uh, and Emily, Lorelai's mom, does not take Christopher's reemergence into Rory's life very well. Um, the... The grandparents have used their money as a way of establishing a relationship with Rory, and I think they feel this is threatening that. So Lorelai goes to visit Rory and says, Hey, Rory, you need to fix things with your grandparents because they're family, uh, and you may not know this about our family, but sometimes a fracture like this can end up in a decade-long chasm of silence. So Rory agrees to go talk, and Lorelai says good because they've uh, she's already scheduled dinner with them tomorrow night. Now, Rory goes back to the school newspaper to make sure things are, go are going to be good for tomorrow's edition, but everyone has quit. Paris is holed up in a post-apocalyptic bug-out shelter <laughs> slash serial killer's lair uh, that she has built in the middle of the office. Like, she's built it's herself so a cocoon in the middle of the office, and uh, the walls are lined with all, the, like, like a serial killer, like all these strings connecting things for stories she's working on. Uh, this may be peak frantic Paris, as far as the entire series. Is that Absolutely correct, Kate? Absolutely agree. That is correct. Yeah. Like, Paris has frantic moments throughout the entire series, but this is probably peak, this is the height of it, yeah. peak Paris. Is, yeah. 
and it's it's great phenomenal <laughs> uh roy <laughs> roy decides she's just gonna leave paris in her bunker but she's gonna go take charge of getting the paper done like paris by herself isn't gonna do it so she gets she goes and calls the staff back in now luke tells lorelei that he's gonna be with his daughter until eight that night so he'll see her later in town, Lorelai goes to get a free sample of European hot chocolate. It's like mud, but chocolatey. And the town people are all gossiping about Luke's daughter, and they marvel that she can read. And it's weird how much they talk about the fact that she's a reader. I don't know <laughs> why everyone cares so much that this 12-year-old girl is able to read, but it's it's a pretty significant well, point of discussion. Luke is not a reader, and so they're saying Luke's daughter can read? Like, cause, <laughs> because Luke doesn't... But like his nephew, th- I think that's the Jess joke. was the biggest reader of all, and same family. It just the daughter's just the worst. Or is she the worst? <laughs> is she the worst because of her, or is she the worst because of when she comes into the story, or just all of all it? of it? How Luke reacts. I guess she's not the worst, but she's kind of annoying. But like as a uh, plot point, she is a source of hatred for fans of the show. Is that accurate? Yes. It's kind of funny. I mean, if you think about your life, like, (laughs) I mean, if this were actually somebody's life that we were talking about, it would be sort of silly. (laughs) You know, fortunately, we're not talking about life. We're talking about stories. I know. (laughs) I just think it's funny that we're like his daughter. That's the dumbest. You know, it's like, yes, people have children and sometimes they're weird. And (laughs) anyway. All right, uh, so now we go back to Rory, who is fighting the good fight to get everyone back to work and get the paper published because the paper is never not published. Uh, She's told by the printer that the paper is going to lose its print spot, so it's not going to be published. She gets a one-hour extension. Logan, uh, the flirty boy who stalks her, shows up uh, because... How dare you? He's not stalking her. He's trying to woo her. He was. He was staging. Oh, no, it was... uh, I don't like Logan. Uh, Logan shows up. Because Roy was supposed to have a date with him that night. And he sort of smugly helps Roy with all the fires that are flaring up. Uh, he completely tries to white knight the situation, even though Lorelai was getting all the balls rolling. Uh, that night, or I mean, Roy was getting all the balls ro- rolling. Um, that night, Luke and Lorelai talk about the fact uh, that his daughter reads a lot. Again, this comes up. If only Luke knew someone who had raised a precociously intelligent child. But that doesn't seem to come up in this conversation. And Luke is pretty <laughs> oblivious that he's shutting Lorelai out and it's hurting her. Uh, now, back at the newspaper, the printer calls to say that, hey, sorry, you missed your window. But Logan gets on the phone and stalls while Rory gets the file for the new edition emailed. And Logan can then triumphantly say, hey, we did it. It's all done. It's there. And he takes all the credit. And he's the worst. Uh, it works. <laughs> and the paper goes to print (laughs) (laughs) and then Logan has a meal magically stowed in a desk drawer in the office and he and Rory have their dinner date well everyone else just kind of slowly exits the office I guess (laughs) (laughs) awkward awkward place Uh, now for the big finale and this is what the entire show is building towards and Kate you picked this episode and it's because of this scene that's coming up Rory and Lorelai arrive for dinner with Lorelai's parents and Rory's grandparents. Emily is painting out on the patio in the cold night air and pops in to say hello and then goes back out to paint some more. She doesn't want to be a part of this dinner. Richard fixes Rory and Lorelai some large martinis. And Rory asks if Grandma is mad. And Richard says anger is useless. She just has a shot at winning a painting medal. (laughs) 
which is such a great line. Uh, Lorelai goes and gets her mom and brings her in and insists that they need to talk about Christopher paying for Yale. Rory says he asked and she let him because he's her father. This makes Emily laugh and say how convenient that he's her father now. Rory says she didn't want uh, her grandparents to pay anymore and this makes everyone storm off in different directions except for Lorelai who stands her ground, stays put, and insists that they are all going to have dinner and talk. And this is a very different Lorelai from the earlier seasons of Lorelai in, in that she's now the one insisting that, hey, we're actually going to talk about things. Okay, I'm not sure how to summarize this fight that's about to happen. It is fantastic editing. It's glorious camera work. There is some just stellar writing and acting and line delivery that happens, but it jumps forward in time with no warning. Like, so the editing is like you're seeing one part of an argument and then there's a cut and it's, you know, uh, 10 minutes in the future and we see another one minute of their argument and then it cuts to 20 minutes farther along i'm gonna do my best to summarize it so we cut to the dinner table where rory is yelling at her grandma and grandpa as they guilt trip her about everything that they have done for her emily calls her spoiled and says only children are only are always spoiled I me mean, only only children like there's there's just one in the family not all children <laughs> as i'm saying it out loud i'm like that's that's not coming out right only children uh, are always spoiled. <laughs> only children <laughs> Uh, then Lorelai yells at her parents saying Rory made emotional decisions and when you're emotional you don't always think straight like when Emily tried to buy a plane when she was upset recently Emily says she was trying to timeshare a plane which is completely different salad is served by a very proper maid cut now Richard is getting himself a drink as Lorelai and Emily yell about Rory's life choices cut Rory is now standing behind Lorelai as Lorelai is reenacting her version of family trauma including voices as she imitates her parents cut everyone is calm and eating sorbet and discussing its flavor profile. <laughs> Cut! Lorelai and Rory are sipping tea as Richard and Emily are out of the room and he's yelling at her because he just learned that his wife thought about buying an airplane and she insists it was a timeshare. It was different. Cut! Everyone is sitting on couches and laughing uproariously as Emily recounts how she fat-shamed one of her catty society friends. Cut! Rory is angry at uh, Emily because her grandma is trying to pick, kick Rory out of the Daughters of the American Revolution. <laughs> Uh, then Lorelai and Richard are sitting on a couch after Emily and Rory storm out and Richard asks uh, about Luke and Lorelai just says Luke has a kid cut <laughs> Richard and Rory are sitting on opposite couches heads resting on hands as Lorelai and Emily are yelling in the background about when Lorelai got pregnant with Rory years ago cut everyone is sitting exhaustedly on couches cut Rory and Lorelai exit the house and Lorelai says she guesses Friday night dinners are back on well done thank you I, I, and Snow, I did my best, but I did not do that fight scene justice. It'd be worth it to just go find on Netflix, season six, episode 13, skip ahead to the last 10 minutes of the episode and watch this fight scene. It's great. Pretty great. All right. Where do we go from here? Kate, you picked this episode. Why don't you tell us why, of all the Gilmore Girl episodes, you want us to talk about this one? Uh, Well, that fight scene is by far my favorite scene of all of Gilmore Girls. It's, as you described, amazing acting, writing, editing, but... It also kind of sums up all of the relationships between the grandparents and their daughter and their granddaughter and just the family drama between all of them. And it just, man, it's a doozy of a fight, but it gets it all out there for everyone. Yeah, so I actually went and listened um, to the Gilmore Guys episode when they talked about this episode of Gilmore Girls. Um, I've listened to a some of their first season of the podcast and I hadn't listened, you know, I certainly wasn't up this far, but I went and found this particular episode to see their commentary. And they said about this fight, like, does it actually accomplish anything? Like <laughs> in some ways it resets 
back to where they were, but I think it does accomplish some, and they may have made this point too. I don't, I don't want to like shortchange them on their, on their podcast, but I, I think everyone airing their grievances is an accomplishment. Like that is not back to square one. Uh, because so many of the issues that this family have is a lack of communication. And the fact that everyone gets it out, even if they haven't resolved all of them, the fact that everyone's laid their cards out on the table and said, here are the issues that I'm carrying and you seem completely oblivious to, you know, even if it's not resolved in this episode, that's a chance now to move forward and reset things some. But do you think that there are like important revelations that happen there? I mean, is it really that much better to say what what everybody already knows? I mean, like uh, Lorelai and her mother fighting about when she got pregnant. Is that an argument that they've never it's had? An before? argument they have every season. <laughs> it will always get thrown back at every Lorelai. season. Right? And I think there's um, when I was when I was looking up trivia about Gilmore Girls on this episode. I think I read that they, there's even some direct quotes from season one <laughs> that they sprinkle into the arguments. Yeah, I think, I think there um, are from. The way they yeah, so I, I mean, I, I I take your point about that um, that they. It seems like there's a lot that's unsaid between them. Like communication would be really great in this film. <laughs> Better communication <laughs> would be really be key. But I don't. I, I struggle to see how this is really moving anything forward when they're just rehashing the same things that they've been talking about. I forever. think it comes down to more than well, the, what is being said, but then how they're reacting. Like in the first seasons, Lorelai would just storm out and leave dinner mm-hmm. without like something would come up and she would just walk away. But in this one, they're fighting the whole time and she's the one saying, no, we're going to talk. We're going to like hash this out. So I think there's gr- showing her growth in that maybe is one of the. I really like that about her. That when everybody storms off and she's in the middle and she, like, wills everybody to come back, uh, it's pretty great. And I think that's one of the stronger character evolutions that we see. So even if we're, if we're saying, well, like, these are – a lot of these issues we already know about and they have rehashed every season. Um, her taking the role of saying, no, we need to be better <laughs> and we need to do better. And particularly, my daughter and my parents need to be able to be better than what I was to my parents for so long. Like she, she doesn't want that to happen. So when the season, when the series starts up, how long has have there has there basically been no communication between them, Kate? Is it like thirteen, fourteen years? Yeah, because I mean, Rory's like fifteen, and she left with Rory when she was like one, and that was basically the end. They see each other on holidays, holidays right? Yeah, and that's a very formal setting, so no uh. weekly interactions. Which is what, like, the premise of the first season is the drama's going to come because they're going to be forced to have a weekly interaction. The Friday Night Dinner reference is, like, what the show hung on in season one. Yes. And kind of, like, the flip is that in those seasons, it's Rory kind of continuing them and saying, Mom, let's go. We need to go. And this one's Lorelai dragging Rory, who's kind of reverted back to what Lorelai was, is that she's mad at them and doesn't want to communicate. I have a a question about Logan. (laughs) So <laughs> I'd like to, I, I want to hear you two um, work through this. Cause I, uh, I said, okay. I, I want to say, I don't know Logan. Like I, he had not been introduced into the seasons I was up to. I just know him from this episode and I did not like his demeanor in this episode. It rubbed me the wrong way. Quick side note, the woman during the fight that Emily fat shames, that's Logan's mom. 
Okay. I had no idea. I thought that needed to be known. <laughs> so, Joe, you, you seem like you're not into him because you don't buy his white night routine. No, not at all. And it's just, he's so smug. He's oh. so, oh, he's the worst. <laughs> I thought I, I, okay, of her earlier boyfriends, I thought Dean was fine, but not good enough. But Jess was, I, I, I did not like Jess at all. Uh, but just from this one episode, I'm ready to put Logan below Jess. For different reasons. Oh. <laughs> really? Because yes. uh, I okay. think Jess was a horrible influence on Rory. Uh, I don't think the fact that you read books makes you into some great intellectual when you are horrible at every other aspect of your life. <laughs> Which is what he gets treated as, it seems. But is, that, is that commentary on him or is it commentary on her? Like, as I, I watched, you know, four or five episodes in a day of this. I came away with a really bad opinion of Rory. I really, I mean, she is, I know she's supposed to be this like precocious, smart, um, really mature character, but she is a bass. I mean, she's a mess. She is really, (laughs) I will say some of this maybe when I watched it, um, you know, cause I was a parent by then, but I was definitely, for whatever reason, I was identifying or I was following Lorelai. I cared more about Lorelai than Rory. Mm-hmm. Uh, and But I imagine for girls, for anyone who starts watching this, like when you're a teenager, you're probably caring about that generation storyline more. And just for when I was watching it, I was more interested in Lorelai's character and story arc than in Rory's character and story arc. Uh, and some of that maybe when I came to it, some of that just be, been me. What about you, Kate? Because you started watching this when you were like Rory's yeah, age, age, right? Yeah, definitely I identified with her because how could I not? And that first time I watched it, it was, I just wanted to be Rory. Like, I couldn't see any negative side to her. Everything was just, oh, Rory is what every girl should strive to be like. And I think my friends that I watched with, we all felt <laughs> oh the same. But then when I rewatched it, like, the next time, I, like, was, like, I identified with Lorelai, not, like, that I'm a parent, but just that was the more interesting storyline. And I started to see kind of negative to Rory. I was like, oh, she's kind of a brat. Oh, she's making really bad choices. Have you seen, um, can I bring to your memory, season four, I, episode 22, Raincoats and Recipes? You're not like... wrong. I'm, let me. <laughs> oh, man. But I think the last time I watched it, I loved Emily the most, Lorelai second, and Rory, I, I'm horrified I ever idolized her. And I think, <laughs> especially after A Year in the Life, Rory's awful and nobody liked her in that and I think in a there's a pop culture swing of we used to think she was this great character and now she's very negative and she went downhill from season one just a straight downhill to the last episode <laughs> of the year in the life, uh, the year yeah. in the life. It, 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 even further off a oh, cliff like, wow yeah she's still having an affair and she has a boyfriend but doesn't remember his name like just weird things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I I am not taken with Rory as a character, but I am less taken with her boyfriends. They're all lame. But you see, so. like a fifteen-year-old girl watching. Oh, this smart girl wants to go to Yale and Harvard. You think, oh, that's what I want to be like too. I want to be that smart and witty and get all the great guys and have guys chasing after me. And that's what Rory was when I was a teenager. Yeah. Right. So oh, I, I, I see that appeal for sure. But I think once you start to talk about like her life choices, there's a lot more mistakes that you can point to than successes. 
So I wanted to say, uh, I mentioned earlier that I felt like I was sort of tangentially introduced to the show a while ago, um, and it was through the show Parenthood. Have have either of you guys watched any of Parenthood? I've watched it all. I I have not. Oh. But isn't uh, isn't Lorelai in it? Uh, Lauren Graham, I should say. Lauren Graham is (laughs) And she's playing, in my opinion, almost exactly the same character. She's Lorelai Gilmore, except she's in a different family. And... uh, has a like a real daughter instead of Rory. I think it's amazing. I think Parenthood is so good, and um, I mean, it it has a lot of the things that I like about Gilmore Girls, like really good writing and really good uh, acting. But I feel like the relationships are all more believable, and that there's so much more to aspire to in in Parenthood in the relationships than there is in what I've seen in Gilmore Girls. I think. I don't think there's a single episode of Parenthood that didn't make me cry. It is so emotional. <laughs> what's the what's so the new show that's doing that to everyone that watches it? Is so it good. This Is Us? This Is Us is the this one everyone talks about. Like, With Jess from Gilmore Girls. Full circle. Really? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, if you, like, Rory, I, I can't begin to say how like, disappointed I am in Rory as a character. Um... And the the thing that I mean, I was talking earlier about how it, it feels like fantasy. The the fantasy is there's a 16 year old girl. She gets pregnant, decides to keep the baby, uh, raises the baby completely on her own. There are really, I mean, unless you're looking at it with a critical eye, you can. There's a reading of this that says everything turned out great. Look, she's great. She has a great job. Uh, her daughter's totally awesome. She's super smart. They they make lots of fun quotes. They have this amazing relationship. Yeah, things are hard with their parents, but in the end, it's all good. And like, it's just a weird, <laughs> it's kind of a weird thing. And then you look at it in the end, and uh, I mean, from what you're telling me of the year in the life, it looks like actually it didn't really didn't really turn out great for Rory. Um, this this whole thing. And so it's just, I mean, there's something kind of weird about the, about the setup and, uh, which I don't want to take anything away from Lorelai because I think she's a great character. I mean, I, of all the characters, the one that I like the best out of watching these four episodes is, is Lorelai. I feel like she's really trying hard. Um, but it's just, I don't know. There's something kind of off, uh, especially about Rory. I don't like her at all. <laughs> um, uh, well, and I, I agree with what you're saying about, like, once you start to, like, map out the narrative arc of some of these characters, it's, there's some disappointments, <laughs> I think, to be had. I think where the show sparkles is its tone and its dialogue. Yes. Like, that is by far, like, the strongest and most magical thing about it. Like, you listen to these characters talk, and I could just sit back and listen to these actresses deliver the lines that were written for them. And it's like, there's a a, a palpable pleasure in watching this display of both writing and line delivery from the actresses it's great yeah i mean it it's like a i feel kind of feel like this in similar to how i feel about mean girls which is if you have great writing and great acting then you can put together a pretty great show uh and this is certainly a testament to that so i think now might be a time for for me to go back to our Facebook page, I put up on the Protagonist Podcast Facebook page that we're going to be talking about Gilmore Girls and solicited anyone's uh, topics they want us to, to make sure we touched on or thoughts they had about the show. And I think we got 25 immediate comments, like within an hour. 
of putting that up. And we've kind of already touched on some of these. So let's just run through, uh, some of these. Listener Carly asks, uh, which, uh, where do we stand on the boyfriends of Roy? Which we've definitely touched on some, but which one is best for her? Which ones are awful? Are any of them good? And I say no to being any of them good. Uh, but Kate. I think Logan matches. Do you have a favorite? I was yeah. gonna say, what, who is your favorite? Dean is the worst. He just stalks her, literally stalks her, like sits on her doorstep waiting for her. He is stalking her and is not good enough for her, not smart enough for her, blah. And then she makes stupid choices with him. And then Jess, I think, is good for her at the time. I think she needed a little rebellious in her life, rebellion in her life, and Jess brought that. And he matched her with his intellectual book reading yes but i don't think he's good for her and people think he's end game after a year in the life there's like hints that he still loves her and he's still around blah 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 i don't like jess logan matches her he is as wealthy as her he goes to yale with her he pushes her to be a better person and to strive for more in life he pushes for okay her i haven't seen that and i like that because i felt like jess was pushing her to make worse decisions and ruin yeah. her life. <laughs> That's how I felt yeah. in the one episode that I saw of Jess. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think Jess ever was good for her in that way of pushing her to be a better person. I think he just happened to match her in their love of reading. And, and then there's a scene where Jess meets Logan and they literally fight they go head to head of like who's smarter than who, and it's just the dumbest <laughs> guy moment ever. But um, I there's a lot of ups and downs in Logan and Rory's relationship, and I think it reflects real life of the trials of a relationship. But I think ultimately he does love her and push her to be the best Rory that she could be, and I think that's why he ma- like he be the only good pick for her. Todd do you have any opinion about Roy's boyfriends I do um I really like Dean initially um and so I mean I saw like pilot where you see this nice Dean and she's excited about him and he seems like a nice guy and I thought ah this Dean guy's pretty cool and then I saw the episode where she breaks up with Dean and gets with Jess and I was ap- appalled <laughs> Like she doesn't break up. I watched it exactly like I would, you know. I felt exactly like as I would watching my daughter just make a horrible, horrible decision. And then I saw the episode where she has broken up with Jess, and now she wants to get back with Dean. But uh, wait, he's married, and that <laughs> doesn't seem to stop either of them. Uh, and so at that point, I'm like, uh, not excited about Dean. I'm not excited about Jess. And then this Logan guy shows up, and he seems actually. I mean, yeah, he's he's pretty smug about what he does, but he seems like a decent person. And <laughs> um, I mean, the question for me is not, does Logan deserve Rory? It's, does Rory deserve any of these people? <laughs> and I mean, I, th- <laughs> I think Rory, like maybe Rory deserves Jess. <laughs> they can go ruin their lives both. together. Yeah, they can go make horrible decisions and ruin ruin each other's lives together. Um, Logan uh, seems like the one that Rory least deserves, and so maybe he's the best or something. I don't know. 
All right. Well, wow. uh, I, I think we're going to have some Facebook comments along some of those lines. Let's just run through a couple more. Listener Sarah, um, talking about the boyfriends, said they all came the first time at the perfect time for Rory, but only one should have come back and she should have let him. I'll give you one guess as to who that is. Kate, who is that <laughs> based on having seen all of Gilmore Girls? Wait, one. It says only uh, the quote is, but only one should have come back and she should have let him. I'll give you one guess as to who that is would have to be Logan. Because Logan Dean did come back. Jess. Or Jess. <laughs> well, <Yes>. okay, <laughs> guys. We've, uh, we've, one of us is wrong. Well, well two of us are wrong. <laughs> I'll just raise my hand and say, if, if it's between my opinion and Kate's, then I am wrong. Because I've only seen four episodes. <laughs> there's, a, there's the episode where Jess meets Logan because Jess came back because he wrote a book and he was giving it to Rory and then... Logan. Wait, they made him write a book. He wrote a book. He works for the printing press. He does not have the dedication to write 10 pages, much less an entire book. The work <laughs> ethic on that boy is not something that impressed me. He, he wrote a book. He was pretty persistent in trying to steal Rory away from Dean. Uh, that's true. Uh, yeah, he'll work at hurting people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh... So there's that episode, and uh, I can't remember if there's another one after it, but Rory and Logan are basically broken up, and Jess tries to get her back, and she says, no, I still love Logan, and closes the door on Jess. So I think that's what she means, as she okay. let him in you that know where like the, 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 the actor that's Logan, um, what's his name? Matt... It's like C Z Y N E C K or something. I don't know how to pronounce. Is that. he over on The Good Wife? Is where I saw He's him. On The before. Good Wife. Yeah, I was just gonna say. Wife. I actually really like him in The Good and Wife. And I, I don't think he aged a day ever. Oh my no. gosh, no. He's one of those. He's one of those actors where it's like. Mm. <laughs> I think he's like forty-two or something. And he still looks like what? Early twenties. <laughs> he could be in my Fountain of Youth movie that I've been planning for Rob Lowe and. Uh, Ant-Man. What's that? Paul Rudd. <laughs> and uh, Patrick Stewart. And now Patrick Stewart. Someone threw in Patrick Stewart into that. I think it was Jeff Dumas from Fandom Podcast said, yeah, do that, but have Patrick Stewart be their dad. That helps them discover the fandom of youth. <laughs> okay, it's Logan Huntsberger. And the actor is Matt. Oh, my goodness. See what I mean? How's it spelled? C-Z-U-C-H-R-Y. Suchri. C-Z-U-C-H-R-Y. C-H-R-Y? Yeah. Is that Polish? Uh, probably Chukre. But that's producer Andrew flying in. He speaks fluent Polish, and so he's taking a stab. Is a, is a CH in Slavic languages, and a CH is a hard huh. He is 40 years old. And he does not look a day over however old he was supposed to be at Yale. 16. <laughs> All right, uh, jumping back to our Facebook comments. I think these are sparking some good discussions, so I think we should keep going with these. Uh, Scott Corelli, owner of Dueling Genre, which now hosts uh, the Protagonist Podcast, he said, uh, Gilmore Girls is a top three favorite show of all time, and I prompted him to ask, what are the other two? And he said, Doctor Who and Buffy. Um, Former guest of the show, Taylor Iverson, said, season season seven is garbage. (laughs) Storylines are pointless and don't make sense. Characters make choices that are completely out of character, and the dialogue references are out of place and not very funny. I don't include season seven in my rewatch of the series because I find it so painful to watch. Fair. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so so fair. Uh, Let's see. 
Um, listener Sarah said, April is the worst and was a character invented purely to keep Lorelai and Luke from getting there happily ever after. <laughs> also fair. <laughs> All right. Uh, Kira, listener Kira, Kira says, Jess is the only man that makes sense for Rory. He fights for her, pushes her to live up to her potential. I disagree from what I saw about him pushing her. Oh, I felt like he was dragging her down. Uh, and doesn't play into the BS that she's the best just because she's Rory. He sees her flaws and calls her out on them because he knows she can be better than the entitled snot that she normally is. <laughs> I think she feels about Rory. Uh, listener Kira is more in your school of thought on Rory, Todd. Alone. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're not alone. I think you, like you, before we were recording, it sounded like you were a little trepidatious about having to reveal this, uh, that, that Rory wasn't your favorite. But well, I think that so little- and, and that I like Parenthood more than Gilmore Girls. Mm. I feel like Parenthood is. I I feel like the yeah. I mean, I think it's well, a better. Well, I I feel like they're. You can't even really compare them. Going back to like the fantastic kind of side of like the tone of the series, and, and then Parenthood is just real and raw and meant to be that. And right, Gilmore Girls, it's never really going to tap in too far into that realness. But how can you not compare them when you have the same character? I mean, the same <laughs> actress playing essentially the same character in both shows. Does she make does how's again like what notes for me what makes Gilmore Girls Gilmore Girls is the dialogue and the pace of delivery um and and some of those stylistic elements not necessarily like the grand sweeping narratives of who's with who and which boyfriend's the best so how does Parenthood stack up in terms of things like the dialogue and the tone no no the dialogue's totally different it's slower it's different I mean it's really well written but it's certainly slower it's not um what his girl Friday or whatever I mean. It's not that snappy, rapid-fire dialogue that you get here, uh, but it's super well-written and extremely well-acted. Lord and Graham goes more like emotional, and whereas in Lorelai, she's the witty and quick-witted. Yeah, she's way more broken in parenthood. Yes. I mean, in the the beginning, she goes back to live at her parents' house because she's, you know, her drug addict husband is like, a total mess and so she takes her kids who are also totally broken because they've been living in this really broken household and she goes back to her parents and is just totally i mean she just needs she needs everybody she, yeah the whole village to help bring her up after she's been through this really terrible situation um and and the, again like how can you not compare it to gilmore girls where She's she's been on her own and everything's great. Her kid's totally awesome. But, oh, I just need $50,000 for my daughter to get into the school. So then, uh, like, I have to go back, but sort of reluctantly and uh, but go back to her parents and ask for help. But in, but all she's asking for is money. And in parenthood, what she's asking for is a family because that's what she needs. so proud. Like, that's like her number one description is. She is proud, and in Parenthood, I Sarah is her name, and yeah, Sarah Braverman. She's very vulnerable, and <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I I don't think uh, we need to like. I know you're saying it's hard to not compare the shows, but you also got to take the shows for what they're trying to do. Sure. <laughs> and and they're trying to do very different things, uh, even as there's some similarity in the premise. The way it's being executed is wildly different. Yeah. Okay. 
Uh, okay, listener Valerie, Valerie asked, and there you, Kate, this is one that you could answer. Uh, she wa- watched the pilot and wondered whatever happened to Lane's father. So Lane is Rory's best friend uh, in Stars Hollow, uh, in the town where the show is set. And throughout most of the series, you only see her mom, but there's apparently some references to her father. And did it, does it ever get explained? Uh, well, they only reference the father, I believe, in just the first couple episodes. And then it became like a running joke among fans of like, where's... Uh, Lane's dad and so in A Year in a Life they did uh, just like a quick cut in in the town and Lane was like oh my dad's over there and then they cut to an Asian man waving and then <laughs> back, and that was literally it and that was like the shout out to that like he was just constantly around the corner uh, even, but they weren't really talking about him it, being just around the corner you just never saw him literally never was mentioned or seen after those first couple episodes and it's just bomb oh. but yeah <laughs> Okay. Uh, Todd, this next comment is just for you, it looks like. Uh, listener Hava, H-A-V-A, sorry if I mispronounced that, says, Rory is very overrated. Her mom, freaking awesome. Over and over, <laughs> is able to put her needs, wants, and pride aside to help others, including her abusive mother. She takes uh, what life gives her and rarely, if ever, even throws a big enough fit to derail what needs to be done. Most of the time, she should, uh, th- what most of the time should be done by others. She's basically the epitome of mature. Rory is spoiled and has no idea how good she has it. I have a hard time being empathetic for her problems because, well, you brought it on yourself, honey. And then she <laughs> ignores her responsibility and anything around her. I agree with everything that Hava has said, except... I think Lorelai also makes some pretty terrible decisions. Yeah. Like Lorelai's her, uh, her, and... her ability, <laughs> her inability to form. Uh, I mean, to to like trust enough to enter into a long term relationship is um, detrimental to her happiness. I think, and not necessary for Rory's happiness or I mean anybody else's. I don't think she's. I think she's being self sacrificial in not being able to be with uh, Max or Luke or whoever. Um, these people are so that love I, her and want to make her happy that love her yeah and that i think she could have a good relationship with um but other than that i agree so <laughs> all right uh listener Anne, who has i believe your sister todd says so happy you're doing this i love the show and would love to know what your thoughts are on the grandparents and i want to say about the grandparents the performances are amazing, and I love watching them on screen. Anytime they're on screen, it is captivating, but I would not want them to be my grandparents. <laughs> Why? Uh, I think Emily, like I, our last listener said, called her abusive. Uh, I think she is so narrow focused on what she perceives to be right that she is incapable of allowing anyone else to have a point of view that is not her point of view. And that would be hard to grow up with. <laughs> And uh, the the dad, he is great and a joy, but he's also so detached most of the time. He's so detached from what's going on that uh, I don't know that he would be the greatest influence in a child's life. What do you think, Kate? Uh, those are really good points, and I think you're correct. I wouldn't want them in my life, but as characters, just the most oh, phenomenal so <laughs> characters ever written. They're so fun. And how did they not get nominated Every for Emmys? I know. <sighs> Well, it's such a shame. Um, it's worth watching a year in the life then to see the tribute they do uh, to Richard, because the actor because he passed away. Uh, the actor yes, passed away, right? Do, but... it, I mean, the the Emily's arc is her grieving over his death and trying to figure out well, what does she do now? How does she process being alone? Um, and, and she's brilliant in 
so many scenes in that, but it's also I like what they did with that's the plot line that drives that those four episodes and that and that's the one that yeah, works right because i think it i mean everyone agrees differently but i think how they portrayed her grieving was really beautiful and her process i like richard oh i love richard he's I, not, I, I mean he's not like oh i, I love the character so much saying hey let's go throw a baseball together or something but he seems like uh like he cares he really does adore and... rory and that their relationship is really yeah. special. Yeah, I, I, when he um when when they're having the problem with the with the check that keeps bouncing back to him, <laughs> and he says, he says, now I'm gonna have to go back and tell all of these people that I just raked over the coals, that you know that it wasn't their fault, and I mean basically he's saying I just went to bat for you in a in a huge way, and I've lost. A ton of social capital with people who, uh, I you know, that was that was not great what you did, but um, but he's showing her that he loves her, and I think it's real. I mean, I don't think that he's just like trying to throw money at the problem. I like him. I think I think he's uh, uh potentially a, like a good uh good dad, except for you know. Like never talking to your daughter, but yeah, emotionally detached and uh, associating uh, buying things with love. <laughs> well, at least I mean, I don't I, I don't know enough about the characters to know whose fault it is yeah. that that they're not talking to each other for fourteen years. Um, but I don't believe for a second that it's because he doesn't love his daughter. Um, I mean, we know for sure that he's super disappointed in what she did, and. We know that she's incredibly proud, and he's super proud, and his wife is <laughs> is even uh, more proud than probably either of them. Um, so I, I don't know, but I what I see of him doesn't tell me that he's a really bad guy. No, I don't think he's a bad guy, but I don't think he's the greatest uh, example of a loving father figure ever put on television neither <laughs> but he is a great character oh yeah. so good and the performance is amazing uh so i'm going to skip down to a, a listener michael said it's been so long but edward herman as richard gilmore such a consistently strong portray- portrayal from a veteran actor like he owns that character yeah, so much uh I, and uh listener michael says i'm a dad now with two teenage sons and i think i may have made a mistake not watching the show the last few years to have an example of a oh. good father so okay going in a different direction than what we were saying <laughs> different from what i was saying uh one i think some of that I think we see a more paternal side of him in his relationship with Rory than his relationship with Lorelai. At least from what I can remember. It's been a while since I watched that. Well, I think, I mean, this isn't a show about the men. It's It's a show about the women. Yeah. It's the Gilmore girls. And, and in some ways it's a show about how women don't really need men. (laughs) (laughs) And so, I mean, like Lorelai can be awesome without anybody. And yeah, she might get with Luke. She might not get with Luke. But either way, she's still awesome. And Rory, according to 15-year-old girls, is totally awesome. And she doesn't need Dean. She may or may not be with him. She might or might not be with Jess. She might or might not be with Logan. But Rory is totally awesome. And the men are sort of props in the thing, in the story uh, of the women. And so, you know, it's not surprising that we don't uh, see these super fleshed out uh, men you know but the but the women are great 
<laughs> all right and last comment from a listener listener amelia says i'm not all the way through yet but one of my favorite things about gilmore girls is all the townies and i'm so glad this comment is here kirk taylor miss patty babette they bring so many unexpected quirky delightful comic moments to the show sometimes they make me laugh even more than the central characters and 100 agree with you amelia they are great the side characters that populate the town are so wonderful now uh i was just gonna say the first time that we see suki when she's in that kitchen and she's like one a half a second away from a terrible accident constantly and all the sous chefs around her are saving her and then she there's one part where she turns around and knocks the guy with the knocks the guy in the head with the pan and i i totally laughed out loud i mean it's it was like the funniest part of the whole show to me was watching suki go through that kitchen it was pretty great what were you going to say kate um uh, oh i have a friend who uh when she watches when she watched it all the way through, she would fast forward the town parts because she didn't <gasps> like them and just what? wanted the core characters and would just watch those scenes. And I don't know <laughs> what kind of show she was watching. <laughs> that's the charm. Oh, like, that's the essence. Kirk is so great. I love Kirk and all his weird jobs that he has. That bad. Bad. And who's the, Kirk? He's uh, James Gunn's brother. He, he's in Guardians of the Galaxy because his brother directed, wrote and directed Guardians of the Galaxy. What's his name? He's one of the guns. better than that. <laughs> He's the one that says uh, the European hot chocolate is like mud, but chocolatey. You know what? It actually really is like chocolatey hot mud, and it's so, 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 so good. Is he the one that has the problem sleeping at night, and so he has to have Luke yes. help him? Yes. He is so funny. <laughs> and he has random jobs. Like, one episode, he'll be, I, I, like, he, he just is selling something random. And then the next episode, he's delivering packages, and there's never an explanation for why. <laughs> Oh, uh, I thought he was super funny in the in that one with the at the end when they all stay at the end. Uh, he's pretty great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a favorite townie, Kate? Oh, that's such a hard question. That's like asking a favorite child. Um, Who's the one that had a cat funeral? She's great. Babette. Is that Babette? I, Babette's oh. neighbor, and I really do love Babette. I love Taylor. He's like the town mayor <gasps> kind of guy. He's the mayor. Oh yeah. <laughs> Oh, he's, he's so and good. he fights with Luke all the time. It's so funny. Um, but Miss Patty is everything she says. She's so good. I don't know. That's a really hard question. I just want to live in that. Town. I remember when that's all I want in life is to find that. Town. Yeah, I, I remember when I was watching it. I was like, just small town politics are the best politics. <laughs> this was it was so great to watch those yeah, interactions. Me. All right. Well, I think we're about out of time for a discussion on Gilmore Girls. Any final thoughts on Gilmore Girls? I'm glad we finally got to this. <laughs> I am too. And like, as we've maybe said, like, Rory's not the greatest character. Just know, like, so much of the joy in the show is about just watching these really fantastic actors and actresses deliver some of the best written dialogue. It, it's in some ways, it's kind of like Sorkin dialogue where no one talks that way, but it's right. pleasant to watch it. <laughs> like it's fine to visit this alternate reality where everyone talks at a very fast pace and makes all these very intelligent references and everyone's following the conversation. Great. It's a good place to go visit. And I highly recommend Gilmore girls for that. Yeah. It really does remind me of, uh, there's an older movie called Hills, his girl Friday that does this mm -hmm. like really, really, I feel like it's the sort of proto Sorkin Gilmore girls kind of dialogue like that. Um, West wing is a great, uh, another great example of this. It's super, it's just, it's so fun, uh, to listen to, even though, 
you're right. Nobody, nobody talks like that. <laughs> if only we did. <laughs> Any final thoughts, Kate? I just really love this show. It's just like it's my cozy show. If I ever had like a bad day or I don't know, winter happens and it's cold, I just put on the show and it just makes everything better. And I I just love all the characters. All right. Well, Kate, you are first time guest, so we do have to give you the dinner guest question. Yes. Uh, we talk about great characters and great stories. If you could invite any three to five great characters to a dinner party, just so you could sit back and enjoy the conversation, who would you want to have come around for a dinner party? Uh, my number one would ironically be Lorelai. <laughs> That's going to be a good time. Uh, number two. If I could have one Gilmore gar- Girls character, it would probably be Lorelai. Like, just to would, enjoy the conversation. For me, for yeah. sure. She'd be like the most pleasant and entertaining of anyone. Um, number two has to be Niles Crane. Yes. <laughs> <Love him. laughs> and they would be great together. Uh, number three would be Veronica Mars. Just We've talked about every one of these characters so far, listeners. Cynic. So if you want to go back <laughs> to listen to episodes, we've covered these bases. And number four would be Joshua Lyman from the West Wing. Oh, Good choice. Thank you. Yes. That's all That's I would need. Great. Those four. And I think we'd have a great time. We didn't talk about Josh Lyman specifically, but we did talk about West Wing way back in episode number one of the protagonist podcast. Number one? I don't think we knew what we were doing. Episode yeah. zero, episode zero, and episode one. <laughs> yes. We we recorded an episode uh that the audio didn't work, and then we re recorded an episode on West Wing. Wrong. Those are great picks. Thank you. Yeah, that w- I, I'd want to be at that dinner party. I would want to invite Michelle to my birthday party. Oh. I mean, to my dinner party. <laughs> that guy is so funny. Yes. Michelle is a character from Gilmore Girls. If anyone's listening and hasn't watched any Gilmore Girls, he is a snooty French. What's his role in the in the show? He uh, he's uh, he, he works, works at the inn. Lorelai, yeah, he works at the hotel and then and then he works at the inn with her. He's so funny. <laughs> Look at Todd just pulling out all these facts about the show. I love that guy. Yeah. Hey, I watched, uh, I watched the essential Gilmore Girl episodes, and now I, I feel like I've seen the show. You should watch an interview of him without his accent, because he's just Canadian, like whatever. Oh, really? And it's, it's so trippy, because he's just so good at that accent. Okay, that wraps up this episode. Thanks for joining us. For show notes and links to all of the other great Dueling Genre shows, go to DuelingGenre.com. Also, please subscribe to the Protagonist Podcast in your podcast app of choice. And leave us a review. It really helps us out. We'd like to thank Nick English, who designed our logo, and Scott Tofty, who composed our theme music. If you enjoyed this episode, you may want to check out episodes number 59 about Veronica Mars, number 64 on Frasier, or number 146 on Mean Girls. You can suggest stories or characters for us to discuss or give us any comments or corrections by emailing feedback at protagonistpodcast.com. We're also on Twitter at ProtagonistPod, at Todd K. Mack, and at Jadorowski. Our producer, Andrew, is at DizMinute, and our Facebook fan page is Facebook.com slash ProtagonistPodcast. We have great conversations there with our listeners and would love for you to say hello anytime. If you would like to support our show financially, you can buy a topic for us to discuss or show your appreciation with a monetary donation by going to Patreon.com slash Protagonist. Thanks again for listening, and we'll be back again next week to discuss a great character in a great story. So long. So long.
We're also on Twitter at protagonist pod at Todd K Mac and at Jay Dorowski. Our producer, Andrew is at Diz minute and our Facebook fan page is facebook.com slash protagonist pod podcast. Oh my goodness. That Diz minute totally threw me off. <laughs> you didn't know what it was for a second when you looked at it. Oh, I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> wait a Diz minute. <laughs> That's not what I've said for 149 <laughs> episodes.